Hello and welcome to the Modern Reformer podcast. The mission of the Modern Reformer is the edification of the saints through the recovery of the historic faith. I'm your host, Mitchell Roten, joined by my co-host, Brubby. Avery Roten. You've got to quit saying Brubby. You know that's a classy term. <laughs> Nothing classy about that. You don't like Brubby. That's more like a uh, chill. Uh, that's a child's term. They can't say brother. Refer to me, sir. <laughs> you inferred brubby. <laughs> I meant sir. I meant sir. Good. How was your Lord's Day worship service? It was good. Always a pleasure. Was it on the Lord's Day? It sure was. You want to plug your other podcast appearance? No. Okay. You were on another podcast that discussed the Lord's Day. <laughs> yeah. I was. You backstabbed me. <laughs> it was a guest appearance. <laughs> just a guest. Just a guest. It's a guest appearance. That was on the DDS Faith. DDS Faith Podcast. DDS Faith Podcast. Good fellows over there at DDS. That's right. Good fellows over there. Appreciate the opportunity for discussion. 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 It should be on there. They got a lot of stuff, so go check those guys out. Hmm. You gotta plug them. That's right. We got. <laughs> Good morning, Dave. Good morning. You awake? Yeah, I feel feel alive. Feel great. Feeling good. Awake and alive. I feel awake and alive. Feeling good. Mm. Sanctification this week. Big one. What chapter is this? Fourteen. Thirteen. Thirteen. Okay. I think it's fourteen. Okay. We're on episode fifteen. That's right. Good. Hard to believe. It is hard to believe. That's a lot of episodes. Quite a few. Quite a few episodes. Sanctification, what do you think about it? I think it's the mm, I think you, I think it's distinguished from justification. Uh-huh. Obviously, so if you're Catholic, you don't agree with that, but... I think a lot of people also struggle with that. Yeah, so it's distinguished from justification. Justification comes forth in a moment in time. Sanctification is a uh, gradual reality um, coming forth out of that. You think there's two pieces to sanctification? Yeah, so there's definitive sanctification. Uh, Those encompass both pieces. So you have legal, you're set apart to grow in Christ. And most times when you read about sanctification in Scripture, it's talking about that reality, that you are definitively set apart. But what we see is it's not a mere legal reality. It comes forth in the whole man, as the confession says. It's the whole man is now set apart to grow. It is a gradual reality. Um, only made perfect in soul at your death and in body at the return of Christ. Mm. So to recap, uh, <clears throat> we're going through the progression, you might say the logical progression of salvation. Again, I think in our area, in our time, what's uh, focused on is conversion. Right? That's in the reality. The conversion of the soul at a moment in time from death to life. Rightly emphasized, hopefully. Um, but salvation, as we've said, is past, present, and future in, in some sense. We've went through the past aspects of all the way before the foundation of the world. Election, 
predestination went through those things. Not controversial whatsoever. Everybody agrees. <laughs> not, not controversial in the in the Bible. Correct. Okay. Yeah. Then we went through the application of that. So far, adoption, justification, which those, and even sanctification in one sense is all uh, in a moment of time. It, you yeah. know, the the thing that's emphasized, I think, by the confession is the progressive aspect, the overtime, the cumulative effect, however you want to say that, of sanctification. Yeah. Um, which is, I think, in a lot of ways, underemphasized, undersold in our time. Uh, kind of like the work of the Spirit is undersold. So, well, the true work of the Spirit. Yeah, going hand in hand with that uh, also is sanctification being undersold. So, yeah, it's uh, it's an important, I think, step that is easily misunderstood. Uh, in many directions so the antinomian side of that which is no law you know free grace cheap grace everyone say that easy believism easy believism which i think is a bigger problem in our time well right Uh, then you got the other side of legalism which is basically earning your justification and 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 i think an accurate biblical doctrine of sanctification is really the answer to both those both those extreme to heresies both those extreme ends of uh, perverting the gospel and uh, yeah. you know i heard uh q a recently ligonier's i guess they were in canada maybe ontario really yeah conference why uh, why are they in canada they made it out i'm sure i hope but i doubt it yeah hopefully they're not held against their uh, will up there yeah. but they uh Derek thomas in a q a was talking about antinomianism legalism and he said now yeah, both of those extremes so he was asked basically in the reformed tradition Goes on, you know, he's reformed. Uh, is there a kind of a kind of a reoccurrence of legalism that's kind of becoming prevalent within reformed camps? He didn't really touch on that. He said it's not a new problem; it's a New Testament problem. And you see both things active in the New Testament, both extreme ends of that teaching. Uh, he said, I think he's correct. He said you can see the legalism in justification uh, in Galatians. And you can see antinomianism taught against in First John. Yeah, and I think that that was a pretty wise statement. And I, you know, obviously they they cite a bunch of scriptures. That were, I think we should go through some of them, like we do. But I would say that's that's a pretty good counsel there to to bigger picture legalism being taught against directly by the Apostle Paul in Galatians, and then antinomianism, among other things, right, being taught against the First John. So. Um, yeah, it's important. The uh, I think in our time, it's it really has become an either or type thing. It's it's very hard to find a solid biblical presentation of sanctification, and that's really just not to get on a soapbox here. But I think it's because there's not a lot of exegetical preaching in our time. <laughs> so, topically, if if you never choose to get into that, then you never get into that, right? It's just kind of a lingering struggle that people practically have within many congregations. I I had this struggle for a long time about uh, all those aspects of salvation. So yeah, it's an extremely important topic here, I would say. Indeed. I think, I think I've said this before. I know I have. Um, but Chesterton, he said before he became Orthodox in his book, Orthodoxy, mm-hmm. before he became <clears throat> a Christian. Now, Orthodox, you mean? Orthodox. 
Eastern Orthodox. Are no. you <laughs> Greek? No, just uh, you mean rat rat belief. Right, yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So he he said in the book, which I, I thought was very insightful. He said he didn't understand why Christians fought so much all the time about all these things. Mm-hmm. But then once he once he came into it, he understands how uh, important it is to be balanced, <clears throat> and why uh, all teaching always hangs on a thread. So whenever you lose one aspect of true theology, the rest of it unravels most of the time. It's all really built upon each other, and you must stand in that balance. Because when you're off in one area, it always affects somewhere else. So if we're off on sanctification, we're gonna we're not gonna really understand justification. We're off on justification. You're not really gonna understand sanctification. You start to fumble the ball. Yeah. So somewhere. So you've got to you've got to walk that that biblical balance tightrope if if that's a good way of putting it of saying this is what's held out and and have true biblical categories and true biblical understanding. A lot of these discussions uh, are just from men that are ignorant of biblical categories. Uh, they're just they don't use them correctly with the way in which Scripture does. So when you don't have biblical categories, you try to stuff things in categories that don't go there. And when you do that, you run amok of the faith. At least you have the potential to. Yeah, so it's a big responsibility, right? Yes. Yeah. To to stand and say, thus says the Lord, which is what pastors really do. Teachers. And not many should do it. <laughs> That's what James says. It's a higher standard by which you'll be judged. Yeah. Not something a man takes unto himself. Yeah, that's a fact. So... Uh, sanctification flows out of justification. So we talked about with Nathan Skeens on the justification episode. The Roman um, rebuttal to a Protestant understanding of justification is legal fiction. Uh, that you're saying something that's not true. You're just making it up. That's the reason we have the biblical doctrine of sanctification. It's not a legal fiction. It's a legal reality that brings forth fruit into unto the whole man yeah Um, it's a good point Uh, by legal fiction what they meant was you're saying you're just but you're not yeah and um luther really basically accepted that in one sense and said yep i'm simultaneously just and unjust and that's true and yeah rightly divided rightly divided um what he meant was i do have this he would say alien righteousness alien meaning of course from outer space (laughs) (laughs) from mexico (laughs) of course what he meant was it's outside of myself and comes to me from a different source doesn't come from within it's implanted it's given it's imputed biblically imputed counted Uh, so i have this righteousness and it is a possession right that i that i possess Mm -hmm. but it's not from me and it never, at any point in time, becomes for me. Yeah. Uh, so that's that's kind of the mm, classic rebuttal uh, of that objection, which is, I think, easy to miss. That is a good objection. What? That the it's, oh the legal fiction. It's yeah. good if it if it was true, right? It, it's it's yeah. It's something that's worthy of a, a response. And, well, it's good if you don't have both categories, right? Because they don't. Because to <laughs> to a Roman, sanctification is justification. That means you have to make yourself right. right. You have to make yourself righteous. There's no mm-hmm. imputation to Christ. 
It's only to you. Yeah. So, so getting into a more modern way to slice this issue up is monergism and synergism. This idea of one party or two parties, one party working versus two parties working. And that's that's really not just a Catholic, Roman Catholic issue, but it's a prevalent mm, problem. I'll say it like that. It's a prevalent problem to see the two parties, the two party aspect in salvation. That is and it, you may not be uh, saying that you do any works for righteousness, but if you meet God halfway, what's that? So it's it's the yeah it's it's the persistent biblical struggle, the breakdown of the categories that the Bible presents, mm-hmm. how salvation is applied to a person. Yeah, and, and that yeah. So that's that's justification. Uh, sanctification is gonna have, which I'm skipping ahead. We get into point three. It's gonna. It's going to entail you doing action. Um, so it, that's different in that way. And we'll, we'll talk more about it when we get to point three. But yeah. Is sanctification a synergistic word? It's synergistic as a sense of, um, as in you're given a new nature and regeneration and justification. So regeneration, point one, we'll see that. So regeneration gives you that new nature and you participate in that new nature given and that way it's synergistic uh, as in you do it it justification i mean sanctification is not by faith alone rightly understood it's not by faith alone you're called to uh, put things down take things on now it's by faith alone in the sense that it's him that willeth to to do these things and to worketh so it, it's 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 by faith alone in the sense it's by grace but it's not by merely believing these things. It's actually being made conformed into his image. So it's different in that aspect. What's the word mean, sanctification, uh, that we kind of transliterate um, over? Sanctification really means to be made more holy. It, it's, uh, I guess, would be the best way to say it. Set apart. Set apart, yeah. That's sanctified. So sanctification is being set apart, being made holy. So that's good. <clears throat> we skipped ahead enough, I think. So I kind of gave the whole. I, I don't have anything else to say. I pretty much that's all I was going to say on one point, one, two, and three there. What? <laughs> yeah, so, chapter 13 of sanctification. Three points here. Paragraph one They who are united to Christ, effectually called and regenerated, having a new heart and a new spirit created in them through the virtue of Christ's death and resurrection are also further sanctified, really and personally, through the same virtue, by his word and spirit dwelling in them, the dominion of the whole body, or domain, I'm sorry, of the whole body of sin is destroyed, and the several lusts of it are more and more weakened and mortified. And they, more and more quickened and strengthened in all saving graces, to the practice of all true holiness, without which no man shall see the Lord. Yeah, so uh, this is sanctification defined. This is this is a great definition of it. So we see first that they're going to say you're not, you are united to Christ. So this is not talking about uh, how you become united or how you get there. This is this is flowing out of your justification. This is a further grace of your of, of uh, after justification, logically anyway. All these things come forth and then gradual reality but you are united to christ that's what they're saying listen to what it says effectually called regenerated 
and having a new heart and new spirit. That's what I was talking about. Think of this as participation in the new nature that is received. That is what sanctification is. Uh, now, having a new heart and a new spirit uh, does not mean you didn't have a heart or a spirit before. Um, it, it, it's freeing it of its other uh, limitations, its other capacities, which are lost in the fall and are lost because you sin. It, now it is changing that relationship, so it's giving you a heart of flesh and a spirit that is God, right? He gives you the spirit of God in that. <clears throat> so he, he gives you the power now to rule over and to conquer this sin. Uh, not you, can't ne- you can never get any more justified. You can never receive any more righteousness. It's only that righteousness now comes forth in the whole man. We don't simply say that we're spiritually righteous and that has no implications upon our flesh, upon our actual obedience or actual lives. And that's, that's, that's what's going to be the crux. So this is bringing forth this new nature which you have received has results. It's, it, it, is not, uh, it does not lay dormant. Now, but we'll get more into that. But that's what, that's what I'd say before out of this first section here is you see the new nature given you see the new abilities given through the new heart and spirit and you see the fruit flowing out of that and that's all of course by christ's work through his death and resurrection that's how you were sanctified it's by him and his grace so biblically no surprise i would imagine the the place i think to really see that's romans six and seven okay big picture if somebody said where do you go that's the first place i would go so what's what's interesting about scripture is that um there's different types of literature within scripture we don't have to go down that whole rabbit trail there how many are there there's a few (laughs) (laughs) there's a few different types apocalyptic my favorite's a pop up (laughs) (laughs) my favorite is didactic if i'm being honest and I, i feel like that's really what's undersold. Okay, so I think when most people think of Scripture, they think of narrative and historical narrative primarily. And that's probably good because that's primarily, I mean, overarchingly, maybe the biggest genre contained is the historical narrative and unfolding of a story in some sense. Uh, the didactic portions of Scripture. Didactic just means teaching. Yeah. 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 It's just, what is that? Latin. I'm sure. Greek, who knows? <laughs> anyway, Latin, Greek, something. I don't think it's Greek. It's not English. Yeah. So it means um, t- teaching portions, t- portions that are given over to explaining, to in-depth breaking something down, basically. And what's funny, I think, about those portions, and I'm primarily thinking about the Apostle Paul's writings, is that not all the time. In general, though, they can be broken down, bifurcated, you might say, into um, a, a portion in an epistle on doctrine and a portion in an epistle on practical application. And I think you see that most clearly probably in Ephesians because whoever decided with the chapters and verses, they did a good job in Ephesians and they broke it in half and there's six chapters. In the first three, Paul addresses extreme high doctrinal issues. In the second half, it's practical application. And that's obviously probably oversimplified, but nonetheless, I think true. And you see that same kind of 
bifurcation in in most of the writings of the Apostle Paul. At some point, it's not always half and half, but at some point, you see this departure from this is this is the truth as presented from God to this, then this is how it applies to you. You see the same thing in the ministry of Christ over and over and over again. This two aspects, if you want to say. So in Romans 6, they quote uh, Romans 6, 5 and 6, If we have been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved. They quote 6.14 as well. For sin will have no dominion over you since you are not under law but under grace. What a chapter Romans 6 really is. Uh, That last little portion there, and I'll kind of work this section kind of backwards. It's a direct quotation, this idea to the practice of all true holiness without which no man will see the Lord. Direct quotation, Hebrews 12.14. Strive for peace with everyone and for the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. Now this, this gets into the easily misunderstood part of sanctification, I think. And that is that without true holiness in the life, there is no holiness before the Lord. Um, And that's very hard for people to grasp because they don't have, like we mentioned earlier, these categories of imputed righteousness producing true holiness in the person. Um, I want to say it's John 5, where Christ talks about the final judgment and those that do good will be raised unto a resurrection of life, those that do evil to a resurrection of basically death, judgment. And um, we also continue to believe that, <laughs> that, that we're actually judged on the basis of works in, 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 in some final analysis. Um, however, we hold up that those works are worked into us, and that's the nuance, that's the real definition of orthodox understanding of, of salvation, Protestant orthodoxy, and that's, Though there is a judgment, though everything will be brought before God, everything will be laid bare before Him. Um, everything is, Hebrews says, naked and exposed in the ESV before Him. There will come a day in which a man must give an account for what is done in the flesh to be judged. We know the more in-depth biblical analysis of that is. Augustine said it was like God crowning His own work. And I think that's a good way to say it, that Though we are judged on the basis of works in in some way, um, we will be judged by only what God has been gracious to bestow in us, even though it's a real reality. And that that's the the two kind of mm, the two kind of uh, categories to to see that in. So we never are able to work true righteousness without the imputation and the justification. But because those things actually do impute something, and those things are actually realities that the Spirit does give a new heart, a new nature, of course there's things that come out of that. And um, to go as far as the Bible does and say, if there's nothing that comes out of that, it's not there. right? And it's uh, that is a tightrope you have to walk. Yeah. Um, yeah. A very simple place that they quote, and I think kind of encompasses the whole paragraph. Acts 20.32 um, I think this is Paul speaking. Now I commend you to God, to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up, to give you the inheritance among all who are sanctified. Um, they quote John seventeen seventeen, Sanctify them in truth, your word is truth. They quote long sections in Ephesians uh, and 1 Thessalonians. No surprise. <laughs> Ephesians three sixteen That's and 19. That's the first time they've quoted anything. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> um, I'll touch on just a little bit in Ephesians three sixteen that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith that you being rooted and grounded in love may have the strength to comprehend um, comprehend what God's doing and to comprehend who you are now and all that is encompassed. First Thessalonians 5, 21 through 23, um, or 21 and 23, I should say. Test everything, hold fast to what is good, abstain from every form of evil. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. May your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless <clears throat> at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. What a statement. So, I think <coughs> they touch on kind of in point one kind of what sanctification is and then kind of how that that works that they're sanctified really and personally um, by his word and spirit dwelling in them that this sanctification though it is a, a real gift it actually does just as God ordains the ends he also ordains the means in that sense and the way in which this sanctification moves upward is through the word and I would add classic protestantism through the word and the sacraments through a true church uh, as defined by protestantism would be what one that accurately preaches the word of god and one that accurately um, practices the sacraments ones that does church discipline the three marks of a of a true church as broad as it gets those are the three things and uh, i just i think we we undervalue that so much that, that the way in which one's sanctified, sure, is, is personal devotion. It's part of it. But also the word given to you by a faithful shepherd over your soul, an overseer that pours it out, that shepherds you, and disciplines you, hopefully, if necessary, um, but, but shepherds you, truly guards your soul, builds you up, um, is appointed by God to do so, you know? Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's good. I agree with all that. Okay. <laughs> yeah, so further sanctification. Um, a new spirit created in them, further sanctification. So that's important to see in the confession that they're saying sanctification is a further grace given. So we see the grace of regeneration, of calling, of all those things, and then it continues in the life. So wherever Christ is present, he's reigning and he's ruling. So that's what this brings forth, <clears throat> as Mitchell put out there very well. So they don't they don't quote this passage in in Philippians. Uh, I can't remember if it's two or three. Work out your own salvation. That classic passage. I'm I'm looking. You take your time. <laughs> is that hang on I'll find it don't worry I think I think it's worth reading in its entirety I'm not worried I'm not worried Philippians 2.12 yeah okay so Philippians 2.12 says therefore my beloved as you have always obeyed so now not only as in my presence but much more in my absence work out your own salvation with fear and trembling for it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. I think that one verse, which is 
obviously the sanctification is a big topic in the scriptures. That one verse, though, you see both sides of this, if if that's the right way to say it, the two sides of it. That from one side, you work work it out. That is, you know it's been placed in you, you have assurance of that, and you work that out diligently, so much so <laughs> in fear and trembling, that it's a massive task to be holy, it's a massive calling. So, effectual call, right, brings about uh, many things. It's, it's also a perpetual call to be holy. It's a responsibility given to a person, um, and it's a fearful task to, to take up the name of Christ as we got into that discussion about the, the name of God and, and things of that nature, that you're adopted and, and you have his name placed on you, and now you identify with him. And it's sheer grace, right, as well as a massive <laughs> calling and responsibility to be obedient to rightly rightly represent Christ now that you're his child, that you've been adopted. There's a lot there. But what you do see emphasized in 13, Philippians 2.13, it's God who works in you both to will and to work. You can't ever abandon that understanding in this or you'll, you'll just be trying to do this from yourself. It's actually God that gets the credit and it's really God that does the work even in sanctification. So you see this... Uh, almost paradoxical presentation of work it out it's God who works in you and it's not just God who works in you the call but the will to the will and the work it's it's um, easily missed in these discussions about sanctification that it's still God that uh, actually produces this uh, in an ongoing way the yeah the, oh yeah yeah by grace for sure the whole the whole thing yeah strengthen in all saving graces to the practice okay so I guess a, a simple way to look at it is kind of like um, if you want to take a dog when a dog is born, you don't you're not surprised when it does dog things. When it's a puppy, it does dog things. It chews on things, such as that nature. It acts like a dog. Uh, whatever animal it is, you, you're not shocked when a when a duck is born and it swims like that. That's what its nature is. In that same way, that's what sanctification is. When you're reborn now, don't you shouldn't be shocked when you do godlike things or, or, or righteous things in that way because that is now your nature and that that's what i've said over and over again this episode it's participation in that nature given now in that same way when when a baby is brought forth it's not fully grown it's fully it's fully human it can't get any more human or it can't get any more dog like whatever it is if it's a dog it can't become any more of a dog but it can grow in in putting on dog things it can get better <laughs> chasing cats whatever it is whatever dogs do infuriating you you know that's being, what most of the dogs do being <laughs> useless being useless <laughs> <laughs> but you so that's what they're saying here uh, that's the guard against the legal fiction to say this is merely something no justification produces this so they're not saying confession let's see where you're at in this step this is saying this is the ordo salutis, or the order of salvation, the logical order. Okay, this begets this, this begets this. And the change of nature produces change of action. Uh, that's what they're going to go on. They're going on to say that the whole body, the whole dominion of sin is destroyed. That's the whole thing. And the lust thereof. And you're more and more weakened and mortified. They are more and more quickened and strengthened in all saving graces. So you look more and more less sinful and more and more, um, more and more righteous 
in the sense that your conduct now matches uh, your reality. It now matches that justification. What's mortification mean? Mortified. Killing. Um, so and mortification. So it's weakened. So the the body of sin is destroyed by Christ's righteousness. It's not waiting to be destroyed. It is, and it and it that is a gradual reality which comes forth inside of time through our lives. So uh, whoever Christ justifies, he actually sees forth in the process. Uh, so wh- whoever has this uh, this uh, this new heart and the new spirit now hates sin because of the change of nature and mortifies it that means fights it there's no actual regenerate person that loves sinning now it could be for a time and a season and struggle and everything else but no one loves it in the sense if they don't have a change of nature to it there's no there's no one in which that i wish to give assurance to that doesn't wish to to mortify sin and to grow in holiness that's the hallmark of where God is, where he is reigning. He's producing Christ-likeness. Where there is no Christ-likeness, without true holiness, we will not see the Lord, you see. It, wherever that is, not. The Lord is not because of his effectual nature in these things. Yeah, so uh, they quote Galatians 5.24 for this idea of mortification. Those who, are, those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. And again, this is mm, so easily mm. so easily misunderstood. <laughs> it really is. Uh, I guess the biggest error, the easiest error er to fall into. <laughs> Popes can err <laughs> is that you at some point become your own man and have to do this yourself. And that you pull yourself up by your mortification bootstraps and get to work for God and gain sanctification. And from our perspective, it certainly does look like that sometimes. It certainly looks like, wow, I've not been practicing any disciplines that the Lord has commanded me to do. Uh, Romans 7, I consistently find myself doing what I do not want. Uh, what do I do? Pull yourself up? No. <laughs> uh, look to Christ. Right? That, that's really... He, he's the only one that that can produce these things him the the indwelling spirit we 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 have to consistently rely on that understand that pray for that in Mm -hmm. in some ways that's a good point um good thing that you brought up there so sanctification is not uh gritting your teeth more it's actually relinquishing more yeah it's it's a it's it's a deeper and deeper reliance on the spirit of god it's really the opposite of what you would think yeah and that's the struggle is and so often when you teach so, just example, somebody comes to you, no assurance, what do I do? Paul Washer, to get back into Paul Washer's teachings, <laughs> he, he gave an example. Obviously, he spent a lot of his time overseas, and a dude come to him in South Latin America, wherever he was at, and said, you know, I don't have any assurance. I, I just feel like I'm not saved. <laughs> and he said, well, I'll tell you what, I don't know that I would advise this, but he, <laughs> he said, I'll tell you what, why don't you just go sin tonight? Just go for it, go all in, see what you think. <laughs> you know, he said, "Well, I, you know, I can't do that. You know, go out to the bar, do this and do that. Do, you know, just live licentiously. Just go ahead." He said, "I can't." He said, "Why do you think you can't? Right? Do you think that's from you?" Um, so 
the, the, the point I think he was trying to make to that person that came to him saying, I have no assurance is that you can have assurance that none of the, if you have rightful affections, as the old Puritans would say, they don't come from within you at all. They can't. That it's uh, rightly understood these affections and this desire for mortification of sins, this desire to grow is actually an evidence that Christ is at work. It's very easy to become unbalanced in that as well. Very easy to to just examine examine one's own heart. What you'll still find is, point two, (laughs) unfortunately, is still remaining struggles. Mm -hmm. So, point two, this sanctification is throughout the whole man, yet imperfect in this life. There abides uh, still some remnants of corruption in every part, wherefrom arises a continual and irreconcilable war, the flesh lusting against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. That last statement there is another direct quotation from Galatians 5.17. For the desires of the flesh are against the spirit. The desires of the spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing things you want to do. Yeah. So this imperfection of sanctification, uh, which you're in, is this sanctification is throughout the whole man. So it's not a deficiency in the work of God or the work of Christ. It's a deficiency in yourself. That's the war which rages. It's the war with remaining sin, the flesh. So that's what's, what justification brings forth, is a, is a change of nature and then a war with the old. Um, th- that's just plainly taught in Scripture. Everywhere, just Mitchell just said it in Romans 7 when, when Paul brings this up, this, this reality of which that he understands his position, he grows in holiness, but yet it is not complete and final. We, we long for the, the completion of our birth. We long for the completion of redemption. What's uh, it's the whole man? What do you think? That, that, say, say that twice. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so that's not simply saying like a, a, a spiritual. We don't have a spiritual sanctification that doesn't come forth in our bodies. I think that's the, that's the implications there. They're saying this is the whole world, whole man, body, soul, spirit, everything is now sanctified. Um, You're a tripartite. No, I'm not, but I'm just saying. I see what you turn mean. Turn a phrase. You scared me a little bit. There. Yeah, sorry, no. Gosh. I would be a bipartite, but <laughs> not a try. No. Uh, but anyway, so <laughs> so the whole man is, is perfect. So legal justification doesn't stay in the legal realm. It comes forth in sanctification. And that's a gradual reality. And here's 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 a, a fact for you. We're not all in the same spot. Now, you can't get any more righteous. You can get more sanctified. Um, some 60, some, some 90, some 100-fold. This progression of sanctification is different for everybody. Um, and it's it there's more and less war going on at certain at certain times uh, there's more or less things that are happening some people struggle more than others i mean that's just the fact of the nature of this whole thing uh, still some remnants of corruption okay so you're not now defined by that corruption uh, you're not defined by the sin or the flesh which remains you're defined by the righteousness that's what john's talking about i think that's another thing uh first john in First right. John, not not to get down, you know me, I'm a sidetrack guy, but I think that's, that's another thing that's, I guess, hard to. 
counsel to deal with is that you think of the difference between Paul and Peter, for it is just an example. Paul's temptations, I think, you, you see an example, a few, but one good one is that I was given this thorn in the flesh to keep me from becoming prideful. Mm. I was given this... Um, yeah, I would say if you were the, Paul, it'd be pretty hard not to be proud. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> um, his it would be hard for Paul pre-regeneration not to be prideful because of the type of man that he was, the zeal, the knowledge, the capacity. It would seem Paul might well be the greatest intellect that ever walked the earth. <laughs> Let's just be honest. Okay. He's the only reason that I know anything about Christ is because Paul explains it to me <laughs> in a practical way. I would know nothing. And, and his ability to understand, and, and really, obviously, a God-given capacity. But the, the temptation he must have had to, to take pride in that, to be condescending <laughs> to lesser men, right? We think some people struggle with that today, probably none more so than the Apostle Paul. <laughs> That consistent theme that you see him display of death to himself, of crucifixion with Christ, I'm dead, of I'm the chief of sinners, a right understanding of himself without Christ and then in Christ, a beautiful picture. But you think of the difference between, say, his temptations, as he says, I was given these surpassing revelations, you know, um, coupled with the difference maybe that Peter might have. The, the almost the exact opposite temptation must have plagued him. This is a bit of speculation, but after his failure and then Christ coming and reconciling him, you must think it would be a continual temptation to just be like, I just suck. <laughs> I quit. I'm not worthy. You know, Peter's initial impression, you think of that very early narrative when Christ comes to him and says, follow me, and he he does that miracle all those fish so much so that it's sinking two boats and peter says depart from me i'm a sinful man like that that different problem um of basically not accepting what christ says of you right that you're mine you're called you're commissioned you're righteous because i give it to you and struggling with that to both ends i think well i guess my point is this does not in any way look the same sometimes in people's lives. So the temptations that you struggle with are multifaceted, but the principle is the same, that you have this um, sanctification throughout the whole man. It's imperfect. There abides a remnant of corruption in every part. Uh, and some, some of those parts are stronger than others. Um, you, you think of um, the difference between, say, lust and pride right connected very different distinguishable look very different outwardly so this is a, this is a an example of some wisdom needed uh, needs to be applied in understanding individually where people are what they struggle with and same same as a personal level of discipleship you know that's that that's a great part of why all preaching is personal yeah. so that that's that's the reason that uh, an actual good pastor is going to understand these things and actually shepherd you in that, and then yeah, and you need it. Uh, amen. There, so that's going to be tailored to you. I think the aspect. number, the hardest th per person, the the one person that really don't see most of the time what your area is is yourself. Oh yeah, and that's <laughs> the, 
Scripture talks about the deceitfulness of sin. And it is, it's not a fiction there. (laughs) You're self-deceived. Like it's, you think, and most of the time in my experience with myself, is that it's the area that you think you excel the most in in which you're actually probably sinning the most. Um, it's, It's very deceptive. So sometimes, yeah, you know. yeah. So the war going on is not an individualistic thing. Yeah. yeah. So the spirit saves you to a people, into a hierarchy of those people, into a church. That's what a church is. Uh, it, the church needs leadership, and that leadership needs to have authority, and that authority needs to be submitted to. Um, that's going to be a part of this war. This war is not, I'm going to go home and read the scripture and set my room. Like, that's not what's going on. This war has a means through it. And it's going to be internal, obviously. It's going to be personal. But it, the, the methods of, of, of battle here are external to you as well. And that's a gradual process. That's what I want to see in, in too, that this is a gradual thing. The whole man is now definitively sanctified and brought forth in reality because of that. <clears throat> yeah, they quote Romans seven eighteen and 23. Uh, I know that nothing good dwells in me that is in my flesh, for I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. Uh, that's seven eighteen seven twenty three. That's the weakness of the flesh yeah. there. Yeah. I see in my members another law waging war against the law of my mind, making me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members. Now, we, we won't... Uh, I guess, get into all the weeds here. I think there's a, in my opinion, an illegitimate debate about Romans 7. <laughs> okay. and, the, and, the, and the debate the debate is, is Paul speaking of his pre-conversion self that is his unregenerate condition yes. before it has a new nature? Yes, he's talking about that. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> well, excuse me. No, no, no. no, so, no. So, no, he's definitely not. Okay. So, so there is a debate that's been running. <laughs> oh, <okay. laughs> Uh, various circles, various theologians throughout the centuries. Is what's he talking about? You could see why people would initially, or sometimes think, maybe he's talking about his pre-conversion self because of the power presented of the flesh. Now, I think it's actually only applicable, <laughs> only helpful. <laughs> he doesn't care, especially, <laughs> especially in this yeah. context of the full <laughs> council of Romans. And this specific section, in my opinion, 6 and 7, which are about sanctification, very explicitly about that. It's only helpful to the Christian if this is about Paul's post, post-conversion state, right? Why would he be rehashing his unregenerate self here? That's number, question number one. Question number two is, how does this help you in sanctification if it's about your unregenerate self? How? Why would he go from... Romans 6 to Romans 7, Romans 6 being dead to sin, alive to Christ, sanctification, this is how it works, to, oh, by the way, here's my unregenerate self. And it used to look like this. And then cascading in Romans 8 with there's no condemnation. The end of Romans 7 basically says there's a war that wages, as we've seen point two, and I'm going to lose that. (laughs) It's imperfect in this life. And I continually lose that. On my best day, I lose that. And the only hope is is Christ. There's no condemnation in Christ. Wretched man that I am, what's my deliverance? Christ. And that is that ultimate sanctification. So that that picture of that ongoing war with the flesh that is war, that is you're taking ground, losing ground, however you want to slice that up, it's a continual thing that wages this entire existence in the flesh. But thanks be to God in Christ, 
this no condemnation will come to a head and this sanctification will be made complete. Um, that's, that's really our hope. They cite First Thessalonians 5.23, Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. May your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. I think that's a re-statement. 1 Peter 2.11, Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh which wage war against your soul. So I think the key here, and as much as we don't like to hear it, is that this is imperfect. And it's only imperfect because God wills it to be. (laughs) And it's actually a display of his surpassing power to work in jars of clay, as Paul would say. This surpassing glory that he gives it to vessels that are um, still fallen and still incapable of full glory but that it, it does come forth, produce fruit, and that uh, they see the good works and glorify your Father who's in heaven as Christ would teach. I, yeah. So, I think point two, I think point two is important for a point of application. That's the reason we strive with one another, um, mm-hmm. this, yeah. this, this progressive reality of us Definitely growing. the reason I strive with you. Yeah, exactly. It's the reason, the reason I'm still around here. <laughs> so this is also the reality of why there's different denominations. What? Yeah. So this progressive understanding of reality. I don't know how many times they said, well, if we've all got the same spirit, then why don't we all believe the same things? Amen. That's true. So the answer is... You know why that is? Sanctification. (laughs) (laughs) Sanctification is a gradual reality, and when we all die, we'll be Reformed Baptists. Like, that's just just the fact of the matter. (laughs) No, that's a joke. I'm just joking. But anyway... So you see, that's the reason there's there's such disagreements and there there's such um, and there's such denominations in which you see because of this idea yeah, see, is, is gradual. Every, every person that teaches on that is thought to be saying everyone else is wrong and I'm right, and eventually they'll agree with me. What <laughs> we're actually saying is it's us as well. Yeah. Okay. Amen. amen. So, so <laughs> though I do have a very definitive <laughs> understanding of. Yes, this is my denomination. I believe this is the most biblical representation, right? Mm. The most faithful, and which would be Reformed Baptist. <laughs> but, but it's also acknowledging, yes, uh, also in me, also in me. And actually, it yeah. probably rightly understood, first begins with definitely me. Yeah, as far mm. as uh, theology go, Calvin said it best. He said the best you can do, the best you're going to do is 80%. <laughs> he said you can be 80% correct in what you believe. <laughs> I don't know. So just, Gosh, just, I hope not. <laughs> so he said, the, you know, some some are not 80%. Some are, are 70 and 60 and 50. But the, be- <laughs> the best ones out there are 80% right. <laughs> so let's just say this, uh, which I agree with the logic anyway. I don't know about the percentages, but, you know, that I thought that was pretty helpful. And that's because of the remaining flesh. Right. The, and, and everyone, everyone is subject to truth and error. It's all a mixture in the flesh, uh, whether it's teaching or practice. Both of those things, we we yeah. all struggle with them. So I, th- I think the most practical application I could give, uh, with with a right understanding of sanctification, is that it always seemed weird to me as a child and even as an early convert, and even now on occasion, um, I remember having conversations with semi-solid people, if you want to say it like that. That was like, you know, I really would like to see the Lord come back, but I, I, there's a lot I'd like to do. There's a lot I haven't done. I'd like to raise my kid, whatever, right? And it's like, when you actually understand this, that this is your condition in this flesh, you hasten the return. It's what you do. 
mm. um, and how all these things connect together, how the theology of Scripture really is one theology. We break it down logically into various categories, and that's fine. But it's really one cohesive message, um, and that's postmillennialism. Hitting <laughs> <laughs> it, Dave? No. no. But, but, I, but I think so. It, it, <laughs> Dave thinks so. I'm it, glad you brought that up it, on the sanctification channel. No, it, it, what my point is, it, it is hastening the day when you understand the the surpassing. <laughs> came out of nowhere. You're welcome. <laughs> came, I was shocked. Right the, the surpassing glory of Christ's return in the glorified body and, and the consummation of salvation and glorification. Um, that we know we are being progressively sanctified. We thank God for that. But we, we look for a day in which these... Our faith becomes sad, as the old hymn says, right? That we we inherit this blessing of a glorified state in which sin no longer dwells, has no dominion. You know, since you brought it up, I was going to make an all-millennial joke about the whole man. Yeah. But I didn't, because I thought it'd be inappropriate. Right, but let's, let's see what you got. I was thinking, <laughs> just the whole man, the, the division of... The, uh, you meant, spiritual things. You yeah. thought it would just be the spiritual man. Yeah, the spiritual man, not right. the whole man. Because no male does anything. Yeah, clear. that would be completely unfair to them, and also in a joking manner. A jest. A jest, which is uh, which now I feel appropriate after <laughs> after you've done what you've done. So yeah, that was a jab towards you. Yeah, yeah, auto. Yeah. Okay, Abe's post mail. <laughs> if anybody knows Abe, I'm sure they've <laughs> I'm sure they've realized that. Yeah. I, I do. Uh, I seem to make it known. So. Godfrey made another. I think it was Godfrey in that panel made another eschatology joke. Yeah. No, it might have been Lawson. Godfrey's funny. Uh, he said something about his wife is a. What, what did he say? Uh, uh, something meal. It says well, however it turns out to be good. Oh, the pan meal. No, that's it all pan. That's it all pan out. Oh, oh. There was a different, a different turn. The different turn. Okay. Do you remember what it was? Anyway, sanctification points you towards. <laughs> Okay, good enough. Point you towards your need. (laughs) Ultimately, you should see you should see the fruit. Thank God for it, but ultimately desire the consummation of that. Right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's the one thing about the war. Uh, The war is wearying. So the more you fight, the tighter you get. (laughs) The more you want Christ to come, and the the more you consummate, the more you see your insufficiency. I think that's another thing. Sometimes we. We talk about like victorious Christian living, and we should, you know, work out your own salvation for your But But a lot of times, it's the most discouraging thing to see this remnant of sin, to see, yeah, to see this imperfection which remains. Uh, MacArthur said it the best. So you will grow in. Who said it the best? MacArthur. Okay. <laughs> no surprise there. Yeah, uh, yeah, he said a lot of stuff well. Okay, Mitch. Yeah. You know who said stuff better? Edwards. You know who said that? Edwards. Anyway. Anyway, for I was so rudely interrupted. <laughs> what was I saying? Anyway, so MacArthur. MacArthur. MacArthur says it very well here. He says, as you grow in sanctification, as you uh, as you put on righteousness that you have, as you lay aside every weight, as you do these things, you're going to sin less. You're going to sin less than you did. But when you do sin, it's going to hurt all the more. Because you because you grieve and you understand more revelation, you understand the more grievous nature of. That's the reason the, the washer example. That's the reason he said I can't do that now, because I understand what it means to to sin against the thrice holy God. 
<clears throat> and <laughs> the thras holy. So trihagion. <laughs> yeah. So uh, you see that when you are sanctified, you will sin less. But when you sin, you will feel worse about it. Yeah. So and again, this is a winning war, uh, by the way. But, you will win. Yeah. And ultimately, you'll win because Jesus Hashtag push will me. give you the victory. Hashtag that push me. <laughs> so, uh, I, I keep saying I don't give personal antidotes, but I just keep giving them. You, keep, you just quit saying that because you do. It's true. Here's another personal antidote. <laughs> Ant- antidote. Um, I really thought when I was first converted, if I could just quit drinking and I could quit the two or three other outward practices <laughs> that I would be fine. <laughs> How's that going? So, <laughs> I realized upon the ceasing of those outward practices that I had a lot more problems that were unseen. <laughs> like, yeah, a lot. A, and I think that's really another thing. From the outside looking in, you know, the world thinks Christians just don't drink, don't cuss, don't go, don't chew, don't go the, with those that do. <laughs> right? with those That's that do, the MacArthurite adage: don't, don't smoke, don't drink, don't cuss, uh, don't chew bubble gum, wear dresses, <laughs> go to go to movies. It's 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 way worse than you thought. <laughs> when you, when you get into it and you're converted and you think I can quit these five things in a few <laughs> few days and I'll be fine, I'll be holy, you realize. <laughs> That uh, your whole man's affected. Mm. <laughs> that these things you do with your hands are a very small part of your problem. Yeah. They are part of your problem. You should mm. lay them down. But once you do, you yeah, realize more. this corruption is inside me to a point that is very wearying yeah. and, and can be. And I think the Puritan literature, not to plug more Puritan stuff, you see on the one hand this idea of the mortification of sin. And it's, it's a hard book to read. Because you realize that's by John Owen. The, by John the, Owen, the book of mortification of sin. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Uh, it can be discouraging because you're like, wow, <laughs> she can be mean. Uh, she can be. <laughs> and then you see, on the other hand, the Bruce Reed by oh, Richard my man Sibbs. Sibbs yeah. That's a okay. great book. And, uh, that book. Is, I tell everybody to read that book. I still haven't read it. You but, need to read it. But I've heard it taught on, and it, it seems as though the 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 summary would be. Christ is a willing Savior to bear with your weakness. He comes alongside you, and he will not crush you um, because you are the smoking flax. You are the bruised reed, and his character is such that he cares for you in that condition, right? He, Yeah. It's, both things are true. The mortification of sin and the bruised reed, I think, would be a good coupling together of some thoughts. I think it was... Sproul, who said, if you want to put it on a scale from like Jesus, as far as as far as uh, practical and holiness, as far as a uh, scale of holiness, you got let's just say Hitler. I think that's what he uses, Hitler, and then Christ. Uh, on the scale of, of where you're at, you're nowhere near Christ. The, <laughs> pos- the apostle Paul is nowhere near Christ. He's much closer to Hitler than he is Christ. Yeah, so and that's our condition. That's the complete dependence upon the Spirit and His work, and then the longing for completion at the return. So the challenge as a as a minister, as a teacher, someone who it takes wisdom. It just in my opinion, it takes wisdom to know when to tell someone, "Hey, buddy, mortify the sin. It's time for you to follow Christ. Follow Him hard." <laughs> and, and okay, and then on the other hand. Um, it's time for you to read the bruised read, right? It's it's hard to know how to counsel and even your own soul. Where you at, right? It's sometimes it's like I said, 
self-deception is very challenging. I, I think a lot of people, especially in the area in which that we reside, yeah. um, they have no concept of sanctification. They have no concept other than Jesus came to give me fire insurance, and when I get the fire insurance, <laughs> we're done. We're done. I'm no longer going to hell. That's it. It's done. Yeah. There's no... There's no, there's no understanding that I'm set apart. I'm definitively sanctified to grow and to glorify God and to mortify my, my, my sin. So w- what I want to say is if, if that's you and there's no war in your members, if you can't say what Paul does when he says there's a war that, wage, that rages and then I, des- that I fight this war and I desire to be holy, I really wish that you would examine your profession. I really wish that you would examine the Christ in which you believe. Um because it would bring questions. Yeah. It's true. And at the same time... The same you, time... If you find yourself constantly wearied by sin, constantly losing you, the battle, and yeah. constantly feeling terrible, right? Mm-hmm. And realizing that I'm not what I should be. Yeah. Take, look to Christ as hold, well. Hold fast to Christ. So what, in, a, in a different way. What I don't want you to examine is to say, oh, this war's, uh, this war's raging, uh, so therefore... I'm I'm losing. No, what I want you to see is why is the war there? Just like you just said yeah. about the guy. Why why is that desire there? And what you should deduce, what you should try to see, is not a perfect love of Christ. But is there any love of Christ? And there, if there's any love of Christ, you know that it's His love, and you have the same strong Savior that all the rest of us do. It's not the love that saves you. It's not the sanctification. It's the Christ. So you deduce that you that you have Him by those ways. Hmm. Paragraph good. three, yeah, go ahead. in which war, although the remaining corruption for a time may much prevail, much prevail, <clears throat> yet through the continuous supply of strength from the sanctifying spirit of Christ, the regenerate part does overcome. <laughs> and so the saints grow in grace, perfecting holiness in the fear of God, pressing after a heavenly life in evangelical obedience to all the commands which Christ as head and king in his word has prescribed to them. Now, no surprise, they quote Romans 7 and <laughs> Romans 6. If you don't get anything else at all from this, if you want to know about sanctification, and you will never, ever exhaust those two chapters, ever, the what's contained in those two chapters is a magnificent presentation of this question of sanctification. This progressive aspect, what it brings, the challenges, the whole deal. So they quote Romans seven twenty three here. Uh, but I see in my members another law waging war against the law of my mind, making me captive of the law of sin that dwells in my members. That's a to requote, if you might say. Um, they requote six fourteen for sin will have no dominion over you since you're not under law but under grace. Um, this idea that his in his word he has prescribed. Um, Ephesians four fifteen and 16. Um, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ. Progressively, you can see that. that that's the path. That's the um, journey we're on. Everybody's on their journeys. We're on that journey <laughs> to grow up into the head. Um, from whom the whole body joined and held together and by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow. Second uh, Corinthians three eighteen, we all with unveiled face beholding the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image, from one degree uh, degree of glory to the other. This comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. 
2 uh, Corinthians 7, 1. Since we have these promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from every defilement of body and spirit, bringing holiness to completion in the fear of God. The, the idea of the mortification versus the bruised reed uh, is clearly presented in Scripture right there in one book, 2 Corinthians. Um, you see the tightrope, you might say, you have to walk. The thread is you can't do it. Uh, but work it out. <laughs> it's God that works in you, but you work it out. Um, and you will win because Christ is victorious. You will win because he wins. Yeah, so you see in point three of the supply of strength. So you're going to get that over against uh, ten two, which is said you're wholly passive in the rebirth, or the, the effectual call there is, is, is 10-2. So you see... Um, so you see that you're passive in that, and then you see the difference here, as in you're no longer passive in that. It's a continual supply. So that's the that's the difference in reality of sanctification there, and also, um, which is unique to to Second London, you get this ver- this phrase added, pressing after and heavily life, and also in this world has prescribed to them. I think that's also unique to it. But pressing after a heavenly life is it comes from the First London. <clears throat> which is not in Savoy or Westminster. But so you see that verbiage added. But this is a point three here is a very good definition of perseverance of the saints. Um, that's what sanctification is. As in this faith that's brought forth by the Spirit, that's kept by the Spirit, it's victorious. So even though for a, a, a time you may be lost in the sin or to fall into it, that's not ultimately your reality. That is something in which God will chasten you for and then bring you out of. Yeah, and I think the struggle with that is we want to know, uh, we want to give counsel to people that's accurate. So the difference between an apostate and someone being sanctified, as I've said before, is not always clear. (laughs) So the difference between Peter and Judas on one night is nothing. That's the struggle. They look the exact same. And the difference between stumbling and falling, sometimes it's hard to tell. <laughs> uh, so, uh, that being said, um, the difference between Peter and Judas in the final analysis is quite easy to see. And so it will be for all those who are victorious in Christ. That's the reason examination is always personal. Uh, examine yourselves to see if you be in the faith. Examine yourselves because uh, only only you understand these things whether your your trust is for alternative motives or not whether it's true a spirit-born faith but that's the, so you see the war and you see it in reality here in which that war you will prevail uh, and you will grow in Christ likeness you will not diminish in Christ likeness but this isn't like a again macarthur said it well when he said it's not so much you look week to week you look month to month year to year you see this yeah. habitual lifestyle versus a easy perfectionism mm-hmm. Monday to Tuesday type understanding. Yeah, and then, then there's there's seasons of struggle, and there's seasons of uh, of great peril, right? Yeah. Uh, that's that's a season-by-season season thing. But but what you see is is that it's the continual supply of strength. Spirit does not leave you in that. God does not leave you. He supplies you the strength. Now, it's you persevering. That's what we want you to see. It's you doing these things through the supply of the Spirit. Uh that's the participatory that the participation nature of this thing over against the passivity of of the receiving of the new nature the new of the or the rebirth the participation but but, but even in that yeah um the um, 
critique Frozen Chosen idea. Where it's not not so you are passive in the reception of that, but of uh-huh. course you're active in your faith and your so yeah. so you see uh-huh. that it's not just here where you see this. Balancing dichotomy, dichotomy. Ba- dichotomy this yeah. balancing of things. Mm-hmm. So you receive the new birth and you believe. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You you but, receive the sanctifying spirit and you're sanctified. Yeah. Right. It's so it's God's action produces work in you. That's the right articulation, yeah. I believe. Yes. So it's God's action produces things and it's effectual things. That's the reason that's the reason London can say second London can say right here that you will win. You can definitively say that, that you will fight sin and you will conquer it. Because the Spirit's there. Because that's what the Spirit does. And that will work out in you. Um, like I said, that's that's not to be thinking of as far as in like a graph, as like a space shuttle taking off. It's like you, you start, you just go straight up more of the mountain climber off of uh, the prices, right? You know, the little yole. <laughs> the little yole guy. Uh, sanctification, like anything else, is going to have peaks and valleys. But it's going to be an upward trajectory. You and I will look more like Christ. In the final analysis. In the final analysis, the more we walk with him, the more he will be uh, preeminent, the more he will uh, fight sin, and the more we will conquer it. And that's uh, the peaks and valleys. The yodeler guy. The yodeler guy. I use that for everything. I like that yodeler guy. <laughs> you did used to watch a lot of Prices Right. <laughs> I liked Prices Right, man. Would you say that's a holy show? I know. Better than some. Better than some. Just read. Just read systematic theology. <laughs> don't watch the press. Don't watch the press. <laughs> hmm. yeah. You don't, don't ever have any fun. <laughs> I'll That's say this. I'll say this one more time. Uh, Romans six and seven. It's, if you're like, uh, I don't know much about this. That's, that's where I'd start. Romans six and seven. Yep. the means through which this is accomplished also is something i would emphasize the preached word the daily discipline if you might say it like that which can easily be also misunderstood as somehow a striving for justification but um the word is the means through which god produces sanctification sanctify them in truth your word is truth john 17 17 is the quote that's the that's the means. Yeah, that's a great point. So the way in which that you grow in the sanctification is not some kind of mountaintop Hollywood experience. Yeah, um, it's going to be a. It's actually that's like the worst thing for you. It really is. That, I, I that, think you yeah. see the same. So in Jesus's life, as the ultimate man, as the only righteous man, you see his baptism, the Lord, the Father speaking to him from heaven, the Spirit descending upon him, and then immediate temptation. And that's usually how it goes. So what happens with us is this mountaintop, like, I did something good. Yes. Yay. (laughs) And then we expect to have a season of victory, (laughs) when in reality what we find is probably it wasn't as good as you thought, and then you go into a very rough season of temptation. Yeah. (laughs) And that's the pattern, because that's actually the only way to be more holy is through testing. Trials. Yeah, it's going to be a cumulative, gradual process. And it's Um, kind of like... Again, this is an imperfect analogy, but it's like the guy who's like, I think I'll start running marathons. I'm like, that's not how that works, big guy. 
So I'm going to stop eating this chicken. I'm, I'm going to put. <laughs> I'm going to go ahead I, and sign that's, up. That's where I'm at. It's this journey. Sign up tomorrow for the marathon. Nope. <laughs> no, you won't. And it's the same thing with sanctification. Chicken. It's progressive because it uh, it's comparable to, you know, many things that we could lay on top of that and say it's like this. Paul uses many times a race, run, the, run this race. Um, he, he says, I discipline my body like an athlete in some sense that I beat my body into subjection. And he compares that to racing, to prize fighting in some sense in, in one place that, I, uh, that I'm not, that I do a similar thing, but I don't do it like them to win an imperishable or a perishable wreath that, I, that athletes can be observed doing very hard work for a perishable item for men's respect or whatever it was. Um, he says, I do a similar thing, but I do it for an imperishable reward. And that's that's the great picture of sanctification. So yeah, it's gonna it's gonna come through uh, what we would see as mundane means. So it's gonna mm-hmm. be as you participate in the means of grace. So as you said under sound preaching, as as you rebuke and and, and all these other things as as that occurs, that's what's gonna happen. Um, is you're gonna be gradually made like Christ. What's coming up? Oh, what do we got after? Sanctification. What is that, my friend? Is it glorification? Of saving faith. No. Going backwards. (laughs) Are we? (laughs) But are we? (laughs) That's the action of God. We'll see forth the action of God.